In this Clear Finance chat, I sit down with Billy Simmons, co-founder of Daylight. Daylight is a new online platform launched in late 2020 to create digital banking solutions that are designed to serve LGBTQ communities. We discuss credit reports, issues that trans and non-binary consumers have working with credit bureaus to recognize them after they've changed their name and their legal documents. And Billy describes issues getting complete and accurate credit reports, as well as discrimination in stressful situations when trans or gender non-conforming consumers' credit reports include their previous names, also called dead names, that out them to others. We also talked about some of the current workarounds that trans and non-binary folks are able to use to access credit and credit reports in their own names, as well as the need for systemic solutions from credit bureaus and other consumer reporting agencies. Okay, so why don't we just get started with um, an introduction. So can you please um, introduce yourself and give us your, your name, your pronouns, and your title and, and your group? Sure, uh, my name is Billy Simmons. My pronouns are she, her, and I am the co-founder of Daylight, uh, which is the first digital banking platform designed for and by LGBT people. That's awesome. So, we're here today to talk a little bit about some of the credit reporting problems that um, LGBTQ and trans folk uh, experience. And so uh, this has apparently been an issue um, that you've been passionate about for quite a while. So what issues uh, have you heard about um, for that trans folk um, have in relation to their credit reports? Well, I think the main thing to establish is that no one really knows what happens um, when you update your name, um, whether it's legally, whether it's on certain cards. Um, anecdotally, I, you know, I've I've heard about a number of different uh, outcomes from this. Um, very often, your score takes a dip. Um, personally, I've experienced it um, splitting in two, um, so you kind of have your like you know, your credit score in your dead name, as well as your credit score in kind of your uh, chosen name. Um, you know, there are some situations that I've read about where people have been unable to update their name on their credit score because they still don't have credit products in their new name or they refuse to take on, um, you know, new debt, which they you know, certainly should not have to in order to have an accurate credit report. So I think, you know, um, what we're dealing with is just this... Uh, system that is incredibly outdated and doesn't really react in uh, ways that we can predict or account for, um, for no real reason. Um, and, you know, I think that's kind of what it, what has made this problem um, so unwieldy because, um, you know, when speaking to a number of people at, at, at actual, you know, the big three credit bureaus, um, a lot of them don't actually know why the scores do the, the things that they do, um, you know, when, especially when it comes to things like um, identities that have not been accounted for. And, and um, so you mentioned a couple of different issues there. So why is it such a big issue for trans folks to have their uh, dead names and previous names? Uh, on their credit report or to have uh, duplicate files at credit bureaus? Um, I mean, I, you know, I, to me, it, there's a very straight line drawn between having your dead names on your credit reports and employment and housing discrimination. Um, you know, uh, my dead name is very obviously not a traditional woman's name. And so if someone who is, you know, vetting me to rent an apartment or hire me, um, sees that on my report, 
that's outing me. And, you know, uh, we do not live in, unfortunately, in a world where um, trans and non-binary people, or indeed the wider LGBT community, um, has good faith um, and has, you know, are, are accepted across the country or the world. So, you know, there's kind of this sort of very straightforward, like it outs you as a trans person. Um, in addition, you know, uh, you know, we've seen uh, higher rates of being flagged for fraudulent activity, um, which can obviously be uh, uh, an unpleasant experience and, you know, uh, certainly not something that, uh, you know, an already vulnerable community needs to have is, you know, additional levels of discrimination. Um, and then the, the kind of other bit that kind of comes to mind, um, which is really just more of an emotional uh, thing, is it's it's really unpleasant to be consistently dead named, um, you know, by uh, credit products and by, you know, accounts and in emails and letters, um, you know, receiving... Uh, a letter to your home addressed to your dead name is an incredibly traumatic experience for some people, um, for most people, I would, I would wager. And, you know, um, it, it just, it, it, it seems like uh, this is an issue that is not really being taken seriously by a lot of the bureaus. And I think, um, you know, it, it's not, an, maybe it's not enough to just say that it's an unpleasant experience, you know, but we can kind of, you know, you can create that direct line to employment and housing discrimination as well. Right. And so you mentioned there the um, issue of, of actual processes at the credit bureaus or what credit bureaus themselves are doing or not doing uh, to, to resolve these issues. And so what is it about consumer reports or the processes at credit bureaus that is really contributing to these problems for trans consumers? I mean, it's, it's really something that you know, is a widespread problem in kind of our financial industry at, you know, at large, but, you know, credit scores, as we know them, were invented in the 1950s. Um, they were built for cis, straight, white men, um, and they have not really been updated since, um, despite, you know, huge societal changes. Um, if you think about the way that we, the ways that we lived our lives in the 1950s versus now, um, it would be unrecognizable to someone, um, you know, to, to, to compare. So I, you know, I think again, you know, this is, this is, you know, part of the reason that we formed Daylight was because um, in the same way that credit bureaus uh, struggle to innovate because they have these very outdated systems that are built on, you know, built on, on code and databases that people barely even code in anymore because it's so, you know, outdated. Same, you know, the same thing happens with traditional financial institutions like the big banks um, and both things, or both institutions struggle to innovate um, because of that. Um, they're not built for us in the first place. And so um, there's not a lot that they can do even, I would, you know, I would imagine. So you mentioned that you have a personal story and experience with this issue. And so I hope, you know, you would just take a second to um, elaborate on that a little bit and tell us, you know, anything that you're willing to share with us about your personal experience with credit reports. Yeah, um, you know, I, I mean, I mean, firstly, I'm very lucky as you know, a uh, like white, relatively well off uh, trans woman, um, and so you know, I think my own personal stories. I, I will, will caveat that you know, honestly, I've definitely had mostly best case scenarios. You know, I live in a metropolitan city. Um, I have not personally been, to my knowledge, discriminated against for housing. Um, but 
you know, uh, there are some very serious stories out there of people, especially trans women of color who are, you know, who are experiencing this uh, discrimination. Um, for me, it's, you know, I, um, I can't get an accurate score um, because I still have, uh, I have still have one card, one credit card in my dead name. Um, it's seemingly impossible to update, but uh, also seemingly impossible to shut down. And, um, you know, on a lot of my credit scoring, like softwares that I have access to, you know, whether that's in one of my banking products or a separate product, um, it's really like up, like luck <laughs> if, if I'm going to get an accurate score that actually reflects all of my credit products that I have. Um, a couple of months ago, I did a full audit of my own credit. So, you know, listed down all the different accounts I have, all the different balances I have, um, and went through and tried, you know, basically every uh, credit reporting software out there. And none of them could get my actual credit history correct. Like actually none of them. Um, and, you know, that's that's just a failure of service, to be honest, because no one is actually able to see my, you know, my credit score as, you know, as it is. I mean, it, before you even get into like, should credit scores be used to determine employment worthiness or housing worthiness, which spoiler alert, they shouldn't, um, you know, it's it's frustrating to just be receiving a subpar product. Um, beyond that, you know, um, at one of my, you know, current accounts or one of my checking accounts, um, they have a built-in credit product. And even though I've updated my name, legally and have updated my account's name with my legal documentation, there is no way to update my credit scoring software. And there's also no way. So when you look at their, you know, how to's and how to update it, they just say, um, update your cards. Um, they don't give you any ability to report it within the software itself. And they also give you an email. They send you an email every month that you can't opt out of unless you'd want to no longer access the product that just dead names me in the subject line every month. Um, that sucks. Like that's a horrible experience for me. Um, it could potentially put me in danger. It definitely, you know, it could potentially out me if someone was looking at my email or able to access that. Um, and it's really not good enough. Like there has to be uh, better solutions in place. Right. So let's talk about some of the solutions. So, um, you know, in, in your case, it sounds like you have not been able to fix those problems with your credit report at all. So, I mean, what are workaround solutions that you're aware of um, that you've either utilized or that, that others you're aware of have, have used um, to access credit in their own names, to fix other issues that they've had with their credit reports with, with regard to, to names and, and those types of issues? You know, uh, there are a lot of kind of hacky solutions, I suppose. Um, you know, I've definitely read about people getting um, authorized cards on their accounts in their chosen name, um, which allows them at least to use their card, you know, their card out in the world. Um, without, you know, dead, being dead named or putting themselves in danger. Um, doesn't do anything to their actual credit score, unfortunately. Um, you know, the advice that we're given uh, systemically is to report the name change to, to the bureaus directly. Um, very often they will come back with, well, you need to update your credit cards in those names first. Um, this can create, you know, a cycle, a kind of vicious cycle where um, oftentimes you can't, 
get new lines of credit or update your credit cards. And then you're kind of just forced to live with an old, uh, you know, with an outdated credit report. Um, you know, I, I, we, we are starting to see um, some goodwill from those bureaus and, and it's kind of recognizing that um, they do need to innovate. And I think we will start to see, um, or I know we'll start to see, because I've started conversations with some of these companies, but, um, uh, you know, a better awareness of the challenges that the trans and non-binary communities face. Um, and, you know, starting to think about some ways that we can build in a more seamless experience into updating these things. Um, the other kind of thing really is there is a, an interesting crop of new credit products that recognize that credit scores are outdated and, um, and indeed identity in the US is outdated um, and, uh, you know, allows you access to credit products that do not require access to a credit score. Um, it takes your employment income or, you know, uh, various different uh, innovative solutions. So, you know, I would say, uh, you know, if it's about your credit report, because obviously that, you know, feeds into um, your access to employment and, and housing, um, you're going to have to, you know, it's it's a it's part of a, of a larger system. So you kind of have to play the game, unfortunately, um, if it's about access to credit. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, there, there are other options out there, but, you know, I would be an informed consumer and make sure you're not getting into anything um, that's going to put you into financial hardship. Um, and I think, you know, on our side, you know, certainly something that we have, you and I have connected on um, and both kind of have in our mission is, you know, is um, advocating for change at the systemic level and, and starting to work with these companies to try and make things better for our communities because it's very long overdue. Right. And so uh, what would you recommend that CRIs do about their you know, internal processes or things that they could do on their side in order to fix the problems that you're, you're pointing to with uh, credit reports and other consumer reports? Um, I mean, you know, the main thing is make it easy to update um, your name on, on these reports. Um, don't require it to be, you know, based on existing credit products or new credit products. You know, recognize that this is a, uh, you know, a unique case. It's not something that you can apply to like the rest of the population. And we need uh, products built for our specific needs. Um, and you know, beyond that, you know, something that I guess we haven't, uh, we only touched on briefly, but, you know, the listing of dead names uh, or previous names in in their, in credit reports, um, you know, we have to think of a better, a better way of, of handling that um, and thinking about, you know, I, whenever I talk to any of these larger companies, um, I really try and push them to think about their mental models for the way that they think about the world. Um, because we think of, we as a society think of names and identity as intrinsically linked and fixed, um, and, uh, it, and, and think of, uh, wanting to change those things as, uh, intrinsically bad or inherently bad. And, uh, we got to, we have to fix that mental model, right? Like we, you know, <clears throat> when we're, you know, a little plug here, but, you know, for the, for, for a daylight when we have, you know, trans names on cards and allowing people just to put whatever name they identify with on their card without it being attached to their identity documents, 
that was a, a big push that we had to do with our you know various partners because the immediate question was well won't people use this for fraud and you know it's always we're always put in with other people who are you know have bad intentions or you know bad faith and um you couldn't you know we we have the power and we have the ability to work through those those preconceived notions but um you know you know, I, I personally, I would advocate for, you know, in, in this specific case, expunging previous names from those credit reports, um, at least when they are pulled for, you know, consumer things. Um, you know, uh, employers don't need to know it. Uh, landlords don't need to know this. Um, and it only does more harm than good. And so, you know, being able to think beyond this mental model um, of, you know, wanting to change your name means that you're a bad person. Um you know, needs to happen. Right. So uh, we've talked a little bit uh, together about, you know, things to do to, to bang the drum and, and create some, some real fixes to, the, to this. And um, so what are some of the things that you or Daylight are doing to um, actually, uh, you know, create solutions for the, these problems? I think... One of the big ones for us, um, you know, we see our one of our roles beyond just creating new products for the LGBT community and to serve them better um, is to use our position in the kind of financial industry um, to advocate for change inside companies. Um, we've had great success up until this point, you know, of, of working with partners and working with them to take an audit of the various different ways that they, you know, uh, almost unknowingly discriminate against, uh, you know, their LGBT um, customers, just again, because of these kind of mental models and these, these ways of thinking and dealing with identity. Um, you know, so, so that's, a, that's a huge part of it is, you know, um, we will continue to be advocating for change, whether that's, you know, in working individually with companies, whether that's, you know, at the governmental level, um, you know, whether that's launching campaigns around, around these issues, um, that's a huge part of it. And I think, uh, beyond that, um, no immediate plans um, to to launch any of our own products. But I think there's probably a world in which we start to think about how do we launch a trans inclusive credit product, um, and how do we do that in a way that isn't predatory um, or causing more financial harm than good. But you know, recognizing that. Unfortunately, at the moment in the U.S., access to credit products is, you know, one of the ways that you establish yourself as, a, as an adult in the U.S. And um, until that's, you know, no longer the, you know, no longer um, the case, um, how do we, you know, create products that make life easier for trans and non-binary people? Right. Well, thank you so much, Billy, for taking some time to sit down with me today and talk about these things. And... Yeah, thank you for having me. We really appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to our first Clear Finance Chat. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing for future episodes about LGBTQ economic empowerment and justice. The Clear Finance Chat is produced by the Center for LGBTQ Economic Advancement and Research, a nonprofit organization located in San Francisco, California, that creates research, education, and advocacy to advance economic justice for LGBTQ communities. Learn more about CLEAR at www.lgbtq-economics.org.
or follow us on Twitter or Facebook for more updates about advancing economic equality. CLEAR is supported by contributions from our members and other supporters of LGBTQ economic equality. If you liked today's episode, we hope you'll consider making a donation to CLEAR on our website. Thanks.